Good morning. We've been working our way through the book of Romans. We're up to Romans chapter 11. Paul is wrestling with the notion of of just what this all means for his people. Remember the plan of salvation. He, he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, 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 and the wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life. He said, who will deliver me from this body of, of death? Thanks be to God. The answer is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and he, he says in chapter 10, for Christ is the culmination of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And then he says, if you confess with your mouth, with your, with your brain, deep down in your bones, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he concludes that by saying, listen, for everyone, 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 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he's wrestling because he knows his people, the chosen people, the people of Israel. The, he was, the, remember, the bright light of the Pharisees. He was, he was, he was their golden boy. And yet for most, not all, for most, have rejected Jesus. He's just written how Jesus is the culmination of the law. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's all about Jesus. But he talks, last week we we talked deeply about how he, he had this deep sorrow. His unceasing anguish. Because his people haven't, haven't seen the light, the light of Jesus Christ. We, we talked about how really the, the culmination, where this all leads and to summarize these three chapters of his wrestling. As he says, God is God. I'm not God. You're not God. He's not God. God is God. And God is sovereign. God can do what he wants to do. And then he says, but God keeps his promises. You can trust God. God keeps his promises always. So God is God and God keeps his promises. Those are the things that he's teaching us. And and, and sometimes we Christians, we do have problems with that. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit needs a little bit of help. Um, this week, I received the inf- another, an infamous anonymous letter. I love getting the cowardly letters. Usually I don't read them. Usually I throw them away. But this letter, I, I don't know why I read it. It was in big print, and so I read it. Um, and it wasn't, about, it wasn't about me, you know. It wasn't your preaching stinks. <laughs> I've gotten a few of those. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not this time. And it wasn't, you know, uh, the pastor stink. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it wasn't about, about how the Church of the Nazarene does this or doesn't do that. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for that. No, this, this one was about uh, um, a couple in our church who years ago wronged him, hurt him, whatever. And I don't know, I don't know what I was supposed to do with that. I don't know if he thought he was the Holy Spirit, thought I was the Holy Spirit, thought the Holy Spirit needed help. I don't get it. This is where where it all boils down to. Paul comes to grips with the idea that God is God and we are not. That God is true and, and we can trust him. And our job, our job as believers is to do what Jesus taught us to do and that is to love God and, and, and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's our job. Let the Holy Spirit do his job, but God's, our job, love God, love each other. That's the whole point. And he, and he concludes this. He begins this section, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. He begins it with a song, and then he concludes this section with a song. With the, uh, uh, chapters 11, 33 through 36, that's where we're going to really spend the mature. We're going to camp out in chapter, it's on page 54 in your journal if, if, you're reading along. This is what he says. 
Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depths of the riches. Do you know everything that you need? Peace and joy. Comfort and grace. Mercy and forgiveness. Oh, the depths of the riches. That's what he's talking about here. Oh, the depths of the riches. God has abundant supply to meet your deepest heart's needs. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom wiser than the wisest and the knowledge smarter than the smartest. Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment. How inscrutable. I thought you love that. How impossible to understand his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? No one, no one, no one. And who has been his counselor? No one, no one, no one. Or who has given a gift that he might be repaid? No one. What kind of gift do you give God Almighty? Here, have a turkey. What kind of gift? But here's the key verse. Verse 36, are you ready? For from him and through him, and the English Standard Version says, to him, the new international version changes the conjunction and it says for him. So from him, through him, for him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. From him, through him, for him are all things. From him, through him, for him are all things. Can you say that with me? From him, through him, for him are all things. If you leave here, when you leave here today, this is what I want you to know. Are you ready? I want you to know that everything, everything good in your life is from him. This is a summary of the whole sermon. I can give it to you in a sentence and you can go to sleep or make your grocery list because this is it. Everything in your life, every good and wonderful thing is from him. The way you get through any storm, the way you, you, you overcome struggles, the way you overcome life's deepest problems, the way you overcome life's biggest trials, the way you do that is through him. And everything you have is for him. That's what this sermon is all about. From him, through him, for him. Every good and perfect thing God has given me, everything is from God. He has blessed each one of us with our our being, our heart, our life. Everything is from him, from him, from him. I think I've told you this story once before. Um, Long ago, years ago, I took Alex, my oldest son, it was before Ben was even born, I took Alex to McDonald's. It was just me and Alex at McDonald's. I don't know where Carla was. We were at the McDonald's on Genesee Road in Genesee. I remember it still to this day. He got a Happy Meal. I got a Big Mac. I didn't get fries. I didn't get a, get a Coke. I, I just had water. So he had a Happy Meal. I had my Big, my Big Mac. He's munching on his cheeseburger. I'm munching on my Big Mac. And I reach over to grab one of his fries. Just one. Not the whole pack. Just one fry. Alex is probably three, maybe four. I don't know how old he was. He grabbed my hand with his little greedy hand. And he said, that fry's mine. 
Now, what that little punk didn't realize, I bought those fries. If we wanted to talk about whose fries they were, they were my fries. I wasn't taking the whole pack, I was just taking one. I could have grabbed, at that point, probably not today, at that point, I could have grabbed those fries and kept those fries all to myself and there wasn't one cotton pick thing he could have done about it. They were my fries. If I wanted to, I could have gone up and bought another pack, my own fries. I could have, I could have, I could have bought so many, I could have buried that little kid in fries. I didn't want all of his fries. What I wanted, what I wanted was for him to share what I'd already given him. The height of ingratitude is when we think what we have is ours. It's mine. The height of ingratitude is when we forget that every good and perfect gift. Remember what James, the brother of Jesus, he, he, he said it this way. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting winds or shadows. Every good and perfect, everything I have, everything I have in my life is because of Jesus. If it weren't for Jesus, I've told you, you know, you know my story. If it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't have even been born. My mom and dad were headed for divorce court three years before I was born. If my dad had not found Jesus, I would not be standing before you because I would not be here. If it weren't for Jesus, I would not have met Carla. I was an intern youth pastor at a church in northern Michigan up in Alanson. She was the cute little uh, 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 ticket agent for an airline that flew out of Pelston Airport. That's how we met. If it weren't for Jesus, we never would have met. If it weren't for Jesus, if we wouldn't have met, of course, I wouldn't have had my voice. Everything good in my life is because of Jesus. Everything good in your life is from Jesus. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. I, I don't know what you're... I'm, I'm a self-made man. I did it all myself. Oh, really? Who gave you the intelligence? Who gave you the ability? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the wherewithal? Who protected you from, from the... Who protected you when you did something so stupid you should be dead right now? What's the last words of a redneck? Watch this, you know? Who saved you from impending doom that you don't even know about? Don't tell me it's from you. Don't tell me it's you, you, you. No, everything good in my life is from him. From him, through him. That means God is your sustainer. God is your keeper. God is your protector. God is the one that gets you on the other side of that storm. Storms come to all of us. Storms come to every single one of us. Of course they do. How do you get through them? You get through them through Jesus. That's how you get through them. Whatever the, 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 the situation is, grief or troubles or problems or worries, how do you get through it? You get through it through Jesus. You know, you, you know my story. I have migraines every single day. And people come to me, people come to me, and this is not, this is not being modest, this is not being humble, this is none of those things. They come to me and they say something like, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. How do you preach with a migraine? You know, you got the lights in your ears and the, and the, and the subwoofers under your, and sometimes it's, no offense sound guys, you're doing a great job. Um, you know, if, I, if that were me, I'd be in a dark room and the curtains would be closed and I couldn't function, blah, blah, blah. And, I tell all that, who cares? Everybody's got something. That's not the point. The point is this. 
And I tell, say this, and it's not because I'm modest, it's not because I'm humble, it's because it's true. Jesus is the one who gets me through it. It's all by. Paul's words are my words in, in 2 Corinthians when, when Paul said, um, you, you remember, I've read this before, you've read it too, I was given a thorn in my flesh, I don't think he had migraines, but a messenger from Satan to torment me, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, 3,000 times for me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, not always gladly, all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not about what I can do. It's Jesus who gets you through it. Don't you understand? It's Jesus who gets you through it. And sometimes you don't know when you're in it, you don't know how I'm going to get through it. But on the other side, you look back and you say, oh, that was all Jesus. The reason I got through it, it was Jesus. Everything good in my life is from him. The only way I make it through life, through long, hard days or deep, dark nights, it's through Jesus. And so the only answer, the only response, when Jesus has given me everything, when Jesus has gotten me through everything, my response, my only response, could be what I've got is for him. Don't you understand? It is for him. Everything on my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my stuff, it is for him. I've told you before, I've got the greatest job in the world. I get to tell people about Jesus, and it's great. And I get to work with some of the greatest people in the world. Our pastoral staff, too, Joey and Tyler sitting right here. And, I, you know, we've got the greatest pastoral staff in the world, and the office staff is awesome. They all serve Jesus. They all view their job as ministry because it is ministry. Our facility crew is awesome. They all view their job as ministry because it is ministry. And I get it. I, I get to work around some amazing people. And I get it that some of you don't. Some of you don't have that same work environment. That you may be the only Christian in your workplace. And you know what that means? That means that you're working there, not just for a paycheck. Of course, everybody's got to put food on the table. But you're working there. Why you're working there for him? General Motors may be on the, on the, on the check stub, but you are working for him. So that your light might shine for him. So that you might make a difference in that workplace for him. Everything, your gifts, your abilities, it is all for him. That's what we're talking about. You know, I, I, I can't sing like Dave Potts. And I can't play the, the violin. And I, I can't, you know, those aren't my talents and gifts. You don't want me to be playing a violin. You sure don't want me to be singing. But you have gifts and abilities that you can use for God's glory. What are you doing for him? Well, preacher, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just, I don't even know what to do. Who do I, what do I do? I don't know what to do. You talk to any, every single one of our pastors needs volunteers. Now, not every single volunteer is going to be great in children's ministry. I'll really give you a clue there. But, but even if you go to the children, I want to volunteer. And even if you're, if you're not a great person to work with kids, they will steer you to where you might serve and use your gifts. Why? Because your gifts, your abilities, they are from him, through him, and for him. 
He created us so that we might give glory for him. Wherever we are, whatever we are doing, it's all for him. This church, we want this church to be a great church. Why? Because we want it for him. We want to we want to reach our neighbors. Why? Because we're doing it for him. We want to bless uh, uh, the the our community for him. We we want to build uh, uh, God's kingdom here in Flint as it is in heaven. Why? It's all for him. Vacation Bible camp for him. Summerfest for him. Prayer week for him. You name it. It's all for him. That's why we're here. I want to be like the guy. Do you remember the story? It's one, it's one of the shortest parables Jesus ever told. It's in Matthew 13. It's only one, one, one verse. Matthew 13, 44. Jesus tells this story about this guy. He says this. There was, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. I want to be like that guy. You know, back then, back then, they didn't have banks. Well, they had banks, but the banks weren't really secure. No FDIC <laughs> securing your money. And so, you know, the banks would get overrun, or robbers or thieves would come. And so, so people didn't put their money in banks, usually. What they did was they would bury it, bury it in a field. Well, that investment strategy really wasn't the greatest because, you know, you may be called off to war, and you'd be gone, never come back, or, or it may be that you forgot where you buried it in the field or maybe you, you would die unexpectedly and you had your money buried in the field. There's lots of reasons why that was a poor investment strategy. My father-in-law, he was a, he was a money barrier and you know he had Alzheimer's toward the end and when we sold this, I am sure the new owner of their house, if they were to take a Geiger counter, which we should have done, there, is, there, are, tra- there are coffee cans full of money buried in his backyard. I guarantee you that. But that's a bad strategy. So this guy, this guy, this guy in Jesus' story, he's plowing the field, probably a laborer, right? He's plowing the field, he hits something, thinks it's a rock, goes around the plow, looks at it. It's treasure. Looks around, no one's around, reburies it, finds the landowner. How much you want for that field? Ah, if I'm gonna buy that field, I gotta sell every single thing that I own, every 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 everything that I own. It is it is so worth it. So he sells everything. He sells his his house, his cart, his ox. He you're now you're selling it for fifty cents. Everything must go. He is crazy, but he knows what we know. Every single thing in his life, everything that he's accumulated is worthless compared to what's buried in that field. Can I tell you, every single thing in your life is worthless compared to Jesus. Every single thing. Now you knew, you knew probably if you were, if you've been around church, you know where this is headed. I'm going to step on some toes. That includes our money. That includes our stock portfolio. That concludes all the great things we've accumulated. It's all for him. That doesn't mean you give it all to him. Jesus doesn't come and ask many of us to give it all to him. But it means that he needs to be Lord of everything, everything, everything. It's all for him. Here, I'll tell you the least, the the worst kept secret in the history of Central Church. Um, We're moving into, this fall, we're going to move into a season of generosity. Because we want to be a generous church, not a stingy church. And so... We're going to move into this uh, season of generosity and generosity initiative where we're going to be asking you to imagine. Imagine what it'll be like for a church to be giving, you know, we already, I don't know what, in the last couple worship folders you had, what we did missionally last year, gave like $394,000 away. 
Well, imagine, imagine if we could add to that another 500000 half a million dollars a year. You can do a lot of good with, with a half a million more dollars a year in missions here in Flint and around the world. If we can wipe out our debt, right now we're paying, you know, $600,000 a year on this building. 612000 but who's counting? Dean. Uh, he's our treasure. He's counting. Um, imagine. So in 2024, we could start giving away a half a million dollars more. Or imagine, imagine our ball field that's rarely used, our ball field, and turning it into Central Park, where there's a, a pavilion and a playscape and a walking trail and a dog park and a community garden and I don't know what all. Imagine we could have art in the park. We could, we could have jazz in the park. Imagine what that would do for Summerfest. It would make it so much greater, better, wonderful. Our community will come. Our church can be a place where people can gather and our community will know, once again, we're here for them. We, we, are, we are building this for them. It's not for us. And imagine, imagine it. Part of this will be refreshing, kind of like the Subway commercial. You got to refresh to be fresh. And so we're going to be refreshing some of our areas as well in here that need to be just a little bit refreshed. We're, we're at that point in the life of our church, kind of like when the founders started the church in 1920 at, the, at 8th and Beach and built that for the next generation. And then in 1960, when, when the folks moved out here, you know, out into the country on Bristol Road, <laughs> we were the country then. And, and just like how after the fire and the whole building, except for the family center, was burnt down, how the people stepped up. One day offering gave over a million dollars which is like $1.7 million in our dollars. It's time for us to step up for the next generation, not for us, for them. And say, we want, we want to build a community and build a church that is going to be here for the next 100 years. So we're going to be talking about that because it's all for him. It's from him, through him, for him. Let me wrap this up with a story. I, I don't know if I told it. Maybe I've told it. I tried to search to see if I've told it, and I don't think I told it, but maybe I have. So if I have, you've heard it twice. My dad, in 1972, bought a 1972 Ford Maverick. Now, when you go to back to the bricks in a couple of weeks, you'll see thousands of cars on those streets in, on, on Flint, on Saginaw Street. I dare say you will not find a 1972 Ford Maverick. The 1974 to for 1972 Ford Maverick is not a classic. Um, it, is, it is not a Camaro, a Corvette, or even a Ford Mustang. No, a 1972 Ford Maverick was not a great car, but it was my dad's pride and joy. It was the very first car that my dad ever purchased brand new, brand spanking new. He got it home, and I think it had like 10 miles on the odometer. He loved that car. I don't know why it's a Ford Maverick. It had vinyl seats. Do you remember vinyl seats? If you got in a car in the summertime and wearing shorts on vinyl seats, you had no legs any longer. They just melt right away. It, ha- it, it didn't have, you know, back in 72, it didn't have an 8-track player. It didn't have a cassette player. It didn't have FM. It only had an AM radio. So it had a blue 1972 AM radio vinyl seats car that was my dad's pride and joy. Now you need to understand this about my dad too. He kept his car spick and speed. You did not, spick and span, you did not get in the car with muddy shoes. You made sure you knocked off the snow off your boots before you got in in the winter time. If you brought something into the car, you had better make sure you took it out of the car. 
Those were his rules. So he comes home with his brand new 1972 Ford Maverick. He drove it a, a week or two back to the Ford Rouge plant where he worked in Dearborn, Michigan and brought it home. And so it was getting dirty. And my sister Beth, 12 years old, said, Dad, I want to wash your car. My sister Beth loved her dad, knew that that was his pride and joy, wanted to give the car its very first car wash. Dad, I want to wash your car. Okay, Beth, you can wash the car. So Beth starts washing the car. She's cleaning the tires. She's cleaning the tires with steel wool. You know where this is headed. Now, how, how dirty can tires get after two weeks? Not that they had white wall tears. Anybody remember white walls? She was cleaning the white walls with the steel wool. She realized how nice and clean those tires became with the steel wool. And so she, she's only 12 years old. If you're 12 years old, I apologize. She didn't know anything. And so she then took the steel wool and started washing the car. She realized this was a bad idea when she saw blue paint in the water bucket. My dad came out. And he saw the car with the steel wool swooshes. He didn't say a word to my sister. He got in the car and he took off. My sister probably thought she was dead. <laughs> she went into her room. She was upset. She thought she was going to, this is 1972. She probably thought she was going to be grounded till 1999. My dad was gone for a long time. I don't know hour, two hours. It was a long time. And he finally returned home. He went to Beth. My dad, um, he was not a yeller. He was not a screamer. He was not a hugger. I get all those things from him. And my dad went to Beth into a room. Put his arm around said, Beth, daughters are more important than cars. And that's all he said. He never, he never repaired, it was brand new, he never repaired the, 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 the car. He never took it in and had it repainted. He never had it buffed out. He kept those uh, swirls on the side of his car. he did that to remind himself that daughters are more important than cars I think that hour or two that he was gone he and Jesus had a long conversation where Jesus continued to remind him daughters are more important than cars for from him through him for him are all things to him be the glory forever amen it's saying I'm going to worship Jesus from him through him for him are all things to him the glory the glory forever amen